So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. Everyday Connection, with your hosts, Rico Shields and Jean Victoria Norlock, bringing your inner light to your everyday life. Uh-oh. Uh-oh? Uh, Uh-oh. Yep, that's me. Welcome, everybody, to this Tuesday <laughs> edition of Everyday Connection. I'm Rico Shields, and I have here with me, uh oh, Victoria Norlock. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, Jean? I'm having technical difficulties yeah. again, apparently. Having an uh oh. I'm having uh oh. <laughs> uh oh. Rut roll. <clears throat> oh, well, these things happen. It's okay. We can hear you. That's good. That's awesome. That's, that's, that's the very toughest good. part. Indeed. Absolutely. <sighs> Wonderful. I'm going to try to keep breathing. Breathing? You're having problems breathing? Well, in their infinite wisdom, the you know, I ordered a refill for this prescription that I have, one of the many that the doctors have me on, heavily medicated for the safety of the masses, you know. But it, anyway, they uh, I ordered the refill. It was there. I didn't get by. It was a weekend. They closed early on the weekend. I didn't get by. So then the next weekend I went to go get it. They had put it back in all their... Infant wisdom, they had canceled my refill because I didn't come get it. And and then they couldn't refill it again because it had expired. And I was like, what? you got to be kidding me. And um, actually, I think what I said was, oh, for crying out loud. I don't think I would have put it so... And so now... If I want to have that prescription again, I have to go see, you know, a doctor and pay an office visit, do this, do that. And I'll do all those things, but that is just not on stupid. show day. It's it's nuts. It's like, is you know. Is it for your puffer? Is that for your? Yeah, for my uh, Simba Court inhaler. And, so are you, you keeping a, a pot of coffee on? Oh, yeah. And I, I still have my uh, emergency inhaler thing, rescue inhaler. Oh, okay. Simba Course is just a twice a day. You've been smoking too dang long. This is how we're going to help you breathe. Inhaler, I think. Uh, Yes, we're the show that talks about health frequently, but because we talk about it, it doesn't mean we actually live it. (laughs) Yeah, we've had doctors come on even just to. No. Wow. I'm going to have to take up donations for a new office chair. Talk about setting an example. Well, you know, the way I tell people is I used to weigh almost 300 pounds. I used to drink a fifth of vodka a day um, and, you know, when I had steak and potatoes, I used to skip the potatoes because they were too much like a vegetable. Um, 
Oh hell, you've come a long way, baby. So you know, I got Yay, one you. left. I got one mountain left to climb, and that's the cigarette deal. Okay, I was just you know, I was trying to. So shut up, world. Touch. Leave me alone. You know, the other stuff was killing me faster. So I, you, know, <laughs> you got to prioritize these things. And you can't quit everything all at once. You will kill yourself. Yeah. I'm not even kidding. I've tried. and That's just it, like drunk driving. You're going to kill yourself or someone else. It <laughs> is a setup for failure. It is guaranteed setup for failure. If you are wanting to get healthy and improve on your, you know, your well-being, um, and you know that there's certain habits you have that you, you should probably let go of, um, you try to quit them all at once, you're setting yourself up for failure. Even if you try to quit something on the same week that you decide to initiate a workout routine, you're setting yourself up for failure. I mean, if you've been on the couch for years, you don't, you know, unless your personal trainer that you go to is crazy, you don't, don't hit the two-hour workout the first day or try to run a marathon. You know, you 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 take it easy so that you don't quit or give up on your exactly. Commitment. You and will give up. It happened to me. You know, I've been riding. I've been riding with this Canadian one up here through. Let's see, what did we gave up wheat, and then later we gave up sugar, and then later we give, and you know, it, just a little irritability. It wasn't, you know, anything serious, but you know, had you piled it all together, could have been uh, violence. I would think it could have been, and I think that. Um... I think that it's worked out rather well actually. I mean, but it's been it's been a slow process. I have not given up everything at once. I have not quit everything at once. There's certain things that I refuse to give up. Um as far as the sugar goes, I haven't given it up completely. I've cut down drastically from lots of sugar intake to my one teaspoon of sugar and my one coffee in the morning. Um and so, but I've done it gradually, and I'm seeing a gradual improvement and progression in my how I feel and in my body shape and in my strength and my endurance and my pain level, which, you know, we've already talked about, has gone way down. But I know from experience, last time I I tried to go this route, I went too fast, too furious, and with the help of my very enthusiastic trainer, I seized up all my muscles, and I ended up stopping exercising for two years. It'll do it to you. It really will. So and, you got to um, take your time, you know? Like, you know, I mean, if you're taking up golf, you don't, you know, go play with Tiger and the boys on your first week and then get, you, you'll be like, oh, I'll never get this. And you used to go home, you know? Because even when Tiger plays poorly, he whooped my butt. and um and the same is true about any of these things it's kind of like the walls protocol of three cups of greens three cups of color three cups of sulfur containing vegetables you do what you can i started off with a cup of each right i thought you know let's have this and you know week later or so i went to two and I still bounce back and forth between two and three, and I'm not perfect and never claim to be. But, you know, I'm really clear that where I am is so much better than where I was. And that's the <laughs> – well, and it's the only thing that I can judge by is am I better today than I was yesterday because – And that know, is – I can't matters. judge by what somebody else is eating because I don't, I don't know nothing about them, you know. 
Absolutely. But you know who 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 has some valid and really um, eye-opening experiences with this stuff is our guest tonight. I should think so. She's um, she's actually had to get rid of a lot of foods out of her diet, and she she actually would be a great one to talk to about that thing we call gluten. Because yes. she's done a ton of research on it. Yes, because, you know, that's a no-no on uh, the Walls Protocol, mm-hmm. the gluten and dairy, just because. And, of course, remember, the Walls Protocol, too, like to flip into it full force the very next day is if you're in acute health like Dr. Walls was. Um, but uh, just on the off chance of gluten intolerance and the lactose intolerance, because it doesn't have to be flagrant where you, oh, I've got celiac disease. That's what they call it, gluten intolerance. Um, But milder gluten gluten intolerance can cause inflammation throughout your body, inflammation in your joints, inflammation. Inflammation hurts, generally. It does. It does. I mean, you know, like I said, we should bring our guest on. We should talk to her about it because... It can make a huge difference in in if you're suffering from chronic pain and you can't figure out what the hell is going on with your body. I recommend at least trying it and seeing if it makes a difference. Absolutely. So then we're on with the uh, the guesting and the thing with sponsors. Oh, yeah. Hi, sponsors. Hi, sponsors. Thanks so much. We wouldn't make it without you. Okay, next. <laughs> uh, well, we're going to talk about inner child, and we're going to talk about, you know, with sponsors and with our guests, we're probably going to at least mention spiritual orphans. Absolutely. And uh, that all has to do with the inner child thing. Absolutely. Uh, nobody is, is a spiritual orphan at inner child. They all have somebody to love them. <laughs> so true. Bill or Janet or all of the above. Yeah. So you can find those guys at IamInnerChild.com. That's yeah. their portal place that gets you to their magazine, their publishing company, their social uh, network. Uh, yeah. Highly recommended. Yeah, absolutely. Extended family on the web. Absolutely. See, we talk about web, extended family, mamas. Ah. Oh. We also have um, our our sister in love and light on uh, Inez Martins, who is fantastic, Akashic Record Reader, clearer, uh, as well as a an amazing animal communicator. Who will be back with us mm-hmm. on a, at least for the time being, a monthly basis, more or less. Uh, can't actually have people on a monthly basis doing them, you know. On a 28-day basis, we're good. But. <laughs> anyway, uh, Inez is going to be joining us. We had callers that we had to hang up on mm-hmm. uh, without getting be. their questions answered. Uh, yes. Because it's amazing what you can learn by talking to your dog or cat. They have yeah. words for us. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty actually fascinating um, to listen to. And to see the value of the information that she was bringing forward to the people that were calling in. So we're looking forward to doing that again. And if you want a private session with Nez, 
you can visit her at www.inezmartins.com. Absolutely. And that'll be uh, next week, a week from today. Inez will be back. Yeah. So get all your questions that you want to ask about, you know, my dog does this funny thing. What is she trying to tell me? You know, you never know. Get them all ready. That's it. All right. Well, time for Mama. I want my Mama. What's up? (laughs) Hi, guys. Hey. Hey. Did we bore you with our banter? Oh, no. I mean, I'm just here doing my thing. <laughs> I'm just here getting prepared. I'm just here doing Drinking my, my tea. Drinking doing my old tea. lady thing that I do. I love tea. You have tiny tomatoes? Oh, yeah. I just actually ate some tiny tomatoes. I'm going to be 100% honest. They were really, really yummy. But I didn't grow these ones. These were ah. from the grocery store. So. Ah, well, this one was tiny tomato for the win. Yeah, it was. They I were thought really of yummy. you last time when I was putting that picture up and it was just laughing. Love it. Awesome. Okay, so you guys wanted to talk about diets and stuff? Is that what we're doing? Well, I mean, that, oh, I don't know. that, that came up. seems to be where okay. we started with, so we can Very cool. go no, there. We could ask then... you who the hell you are and what do you do, but we've done that twice. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, so um, I guess I want to start talking about why we went gluten-free in the very first place. Um, my daughter was uh, born fairly small, Um And I was doing the breastfeeding thing, the, you know, mom earth crunchy granola thing, you know, making sure that we ate whole wheat pasta and we had, you know, a a variety of of grains in her diet, you know, baby cereals and stuff like that. And um, it turned around that she wasn't gaining as fast as we wanted her to. And I was starting to get worried, you know, the the mama thing. And uh, I ended up with... um, at nine months old, my my baby only weighed 11 pounds, and that's kind of weird because some days, some of these days, these babies are coming out, you know, at 11 pounds, you know, fully, you know, expelled. And so we're we're sitting there going, okay, why isn't she gaining weight? What's going on? So I went and took her to the the pediatrician, and the pediatrician poked at her for a bit and said you know, we need to do a series of blood tests and we need to do this and we need to do that and I think that your child has cystic fibrosis and I said, you're full of shit. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that on there. But No, you can. I, I drop the <laughs> F-bomb frequently now. We don't care anymore. Okay. I, I, okay, awesome. Um, but I, I literally said that to the doctor, you know, after, you know, I've still got tears running down my face, but I knew that he was wrong. Like, I knew my spidey sense was saying, this doctor is wrong. He just wants to put your baby on formula. So I started doing some research. Now, my child was always really colicky. She always had, um, you know, really, really serious infant colic. And we would do those, like, belly massages for babies, you know, the ones that, like, just help get the gas moving and help get their, their bellies absorbing the food. But the thing is, is that because I was breastfeeding and I was still eating wheat, the wheat was getting passed through my breast milk to my baby. So I had to cut out eating wheat. Now, as soon as I cut out eating wheat, um, my breathing got better, a lot better. Um, she started gaining weight almost immediately, you know. And so now she's three and she's doing three-year-old stuff. You know what I mean? Like she was always really alert and very bright and all that, but she just wasn't gaining weight. And so now I've got this healthy toddler running around. So, I mean, it's it's about being aware of how things affect you and your body. Now, because I had eaten wheat my entire life, um, I had chronic asthma. I had so much wheat in my system that um, 
I was also malnourished because the the nutrients weren't getting into my body, but I was malnourished at, you know, 230 pounds, you know, and that seems to be a common thing with wheat is that um, people are not actually absorbing nutrients into their bodies because there's all of this mucus that's produced by the wheat. So they end up gaining an incredible amount of fat and holding and storing an incredible amount of fat because their liver is overworked and their kidneys are overworked. It becomes a systemic problem of this inflammation throughout your system. And yes, it can affect your joints and your you know, um, arthritis and, and that kind of stuff as well. But for me, it was really a, a big thing like with my organs being very clogged and very clouded with um, just holding on to all this, this stuff from the wheat. So, um, yeah. Now, may, may I interject for one mm-hmm. second? Yeah. Another thing I notice um, is that wheat is a filler. Mm-hmm. So if you're yeah. eating large quantities of wheat, um, and that includes pasta, although people, you know, cringe when I say that, but guess what? Pasta is made from wheat. So mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you gotta you got to look for the rice pasta. Mm-hmm. Um, and if if you're filling up with wheat, so breads and pastas, you're not leaving yourself enough room for the greens, the fresh greens and the vegetables and the fruit that your body does need. That's correct. And That's 100% correct. I think if people went and looked, you know, traced grains and all that, and, of course, the wheat we have today is not the wheat that your grandparents ate. No. Uh, it's a different critter. It's been hybridized. It wasn't genetically modified in a lab, but it was through hybridizing, uh, specifically to produce more. Uh, and with with great intentions, they wanted to make it produce more to, to have the green revolution so that we could feed the world. So we can feed the world. But, uh, but I think if you went back to ancient Egypt and other places where they say, well, here was the rise of cereal grains, that the rise of cereal grains was almost always went right together with the rise of a subclass or slaves and uh, the slaves in Egypt had beer and bread that's it now the workers that weren't slaves would have had beer and bread and they would have had some fish or some meat with it you know now funny how but that it was is up in, uh, the, in up alignment in the, with today's society up in the pharaoh's house there was Indeed. greens and fruits and I mean, look at the pictures. It's on the walls all over the place over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the royalties are seen eating fruits and veg. And the guy in the street is eating grain and drinking mm-hmm. beer. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, but if you, if you had to feed more people than might be natural because you brought a bunch of them in when you conquered them, <laughs> you 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 got to grow grain. You can't do it with the greens and fruits and veg. And um, not uh, if you want to mass produce, right? Um, high yield, low effort. High yield, low effort. Absolutely. Low nutritional know, but value, that's, but that's come and turning around and, and biting people really hard. Um, you know, people are finding out that their livers are shot because they're not taking in or absorbing any of this stuff. Um, people are ending up with cancers and such because we don't have extensive testing on what happens when we modify these seeds. We don't know 
what it looks like from generation to generation. They've only been, Monsanto's only been around since 1995, right? So, like, you know, when I was a teenager, before I was a teenager, I was eating real food. You know, since then, you know, in, in the, you know, years that have passed, I'm I'm no longer eating, you know, this food. And nobody told us, nobody told us that we were eating these frankenfoods for such a long time. We don't know the long-term effects of a lot of these things that that science is really pushing for, which is really unfortunate because we don't know um, the end result in all of this, but we know that um, that people are having problems with their endocrine systems, which means, you know, their ability to have babies, their ability to uh, metabolize sugars, their ability to uh, metabolize fats. All of that stuff goes through your endocrine system, right? So your liver, your gallbladder, your pancreas, all of those organs are now being so filled up and plugged up with this stuff that it takes sometimes years to flush it out of your system. You know, I'm still flushing wheat from my system. I'm still flushing dairy from my system for, you know, better or worse, because it's all stored in the tissues, because it blocks the natural flow of, of what's happening. You know, if if you start overloading the liver, you start running into, um, in Chinese medicine, liver has to deal with anger, Right. So, you know, all of these people who have really fatty livers are also expressing that anger in society, you know, but they don't necessarily know that backstory, that, that traditional Chinese medicine that, you know, if you cleared out your liver, you would also probably clear out the anger that you're dealing with as well. You know, there's no just one isolated system. Our spirituality is part of our physicality. You know, how we manifest spiritually in this world first manifests in our body. You know, if we're feeling light, if we're feeling at ease with our situations, our body will manifest that. If we're feeling like we can't speak our truth, sometimes cancer is manifested. Sometimes um, a heart attack is manifested. Just Broken because back. we've... we've clo- yeah, we've closed... I mean, I broke my toe the other day. I knew that that had um, a spiritual significance. I went in and I said to my little toe, hey, what happened? It's like... Well, you haven't been expressing your anger. This is your breaking point. You just broke your toe, you know. And so once I kind of got in touch with that and said, okay, you're right. I haven't been expressing my anger. My my inner little person is getting smooshed, and I need to say something. Once I said something, I can walk on my foot fine now, and it's like a week later. It happened literally a week ago, probably around this time of day, actually. So, yeah, literally a week ago. And now I'm walking fine. The bruising is gone. You know, the broken toe has mended in a week because I got in touch with the root cause of it. You know, breaking point. It happens. You know, our bodies will manifest the the lessons that we need to learn, that we need to address, that we need to deal with. And for me, um, a lot of these food allergies actually have to do with um, my overblown empathy. Um, I, I manifested a bunch of food allergies for myself because... I was uh, an empath who was untrained, so I just let everything in for so long. And so now I had to learn how to be discerning about food, had to learn how to be discerning about people, had to learn how to be discerning about environments, and and grow from there, you know, expand from that. And so once I really went into my food allergies and said, okay, what is this trying to manifest? What is this trying to teach me? You know, I'm finding that I'm able to deal with it a lot better. 
Now, how are you? How are you feeling? Because you're treating both. You're treating both the physical and the emotional and the spiritual. How are you feeling physically now that you've? Because you've just um, switched up your diet yet again. Um, how are you feeling now that that you've okay. done all well, this? I spent the last year in BC. Um, uh, I've been back in Toronto for a month, but I spent the year prior to that in BC. And I ended up having to, like, hit rock bottom and get really, really sick. Um, And I spent three to four months in bed, and that was in January of this year. Um, I I was really sick and unable to even get out of bed or walk to the bathroom without assistance and stuff like that. And um, what basically it came down to is holding on to old ways of being, you know, I would occasionally have dairy and I would occasionally have this and I would occasionally have that. But the thing is, is that when people are in a low emotional space, they'll tend to reach for those comfort things a lot more. And um, maybe uh, food was my addiction because, I mean, I managed to get up to 230 when I was a really depressed point in my life. So... um, for me, not reaching to food for comfort was a really big change for me. It's like, you know, I love to have coffee. There's nothing more that I love to take into <laughs> my body than coffee. And I I found out through allergy testing that I'm allergic to coffee. So I really have to, like, honor my body's knowing about that. Okay, even though... You know, my ego really likes it. My ego really wants it. And, you know, and it does have nourishing qualities, but my body doesn't react well to it. So I have to really honor that and go, okay, you know, this is going to mess with my endocrine system. This is going to mess with my liver. This is going to stop me from absorbing other things that my body needs right now. It needs to, to take in these nutrients because it's been depleted for so long. Um, So... That that's a big thing for me. It's like I have to look at the after effects of it. It's like what will this cup of coffee do to me in the long run? Well, it may just make my skin flare and, and get itchy or it could end up, you know, taking me out for a whole day where I'm just like feeling really sick for a whole day. So that's a day that I can't spend with my daughter. So I'm not going to do that, you know? Right. Yeah, I. you know what? I understand exactly what you're saying. I've, I've, spoken often of late of the insane difference in my pain level thanks to my giving up um, wheat and Dr. Walls with her you know right thing at the right time actually I could have avoided the whole flare up had I listened to you the first time I went to see you (laughs) because you mentioned it months and months and months before Dr. Walls came along um so it it has made a huge difference, and I do know that when because I still have days where I'm like I'm I'm gonna cheat today, but I know if I cheat today, I'm paying for it tomorrow. Yeah. So it's almost like if I'm gonna cheat for the taste, for that five minutes of joy, for the taste of it, then. I have to be willing to sacrifice a day or half a day. Yeah. And I'm still at the point where I'm willing to do that, believe it or not, occasionally for the odd treat, but it does wipe me out for a day. 
And it can. And for me, um, because I'm, I'm actually having an allergic reaction, not just um, having an allergy is different than having celiac. Um, so that's, yes. that's something else that we should kind yeah. of talk a little bit about. Um, I actually have an allergy, which is they used to call them sensitivities. Um, but now they've called them allergies for a while. So um, I have an allergy to wheat. So what this basically means is that um, I have a histamine response. So not only am I taking that wheat into my body and it's producing all this mucus that's not allowing absorption of nutrients, I also have a histamine reaction. So um, I, I've been dealing with uh, a skin thing for since my daughter was born, basically, and uh, it flares. It literally flares and becomes itchy and, and angry when I take these foods into my body. So, you know, it's it's just really knowing thyself and being aware of what triggers you. And I, I, I apply this to everything in my life. Knowing thyself and knowing what triggers you allows you for more freedom in the moment to make better decisions. You know what I mean? So... This is this is really part of the core thing that I'm working with right now is this knowing myself. Okay, I know how that reacts to me, to to me. So, you know, it's like I have, you know, this really busy week. So this week I really have to stay on my diet because I do not have any time to spend, you know, <laughs> just yeah. taking a day off because lying around know, I, I feel like crap. <laughs> yeah. But it's really hard because you're busy, right? So it's about knowing what you can eat and what you can eat, taking some time in advance and really prepping stuff out and planning um, makes that a lot easier. And there's a lot of Is trial it, and error involved. I oh, mean, God, yes. Just because, just yeah, because it's still the, a personal reaction thing. Yeah, right. you know, nobody's going to react exactly the way any of the three of us have. but And all three of us have reacted differently. Yes. yes. The same thing to giving up the same food. But I'd say, in general, we've all reacted positively to removing from the diet, but that doesn't mean everybody will. Uh, no, and that's, I think that's the, the really big thing. I think the vast majority of people might, and and if nothing else, the you know understanding that uh, you know Norman Borlaug was hired by the Rockefellers to figure out how to make there be more wheat in Mexico because the Mexicans were hungry. And even way back then, they were doing work for us, so the Rockefellers wanted them healthy and fed. And uh, so get them more wheat. And he did this wild crossbreeding genetic modification of wheat to come up with this stuff that we have today. And the stuff we have today has a pretty high level of gluten. And, um, you know, we sound like we keep making it the enemy, but... I just want to throw in for the for the science types in the crowd, gluten when it's broken down by the enzymes, digestive enzymes in your belly, turns into a little amino acid chain that activates the opioid receptors and receptors in your brain, and they call them opioid receptors because we thought the only thing that made them active was opium. And we all know opium's not addictive. <laughs> and and so it really wouldn't matter if it was pink fairy dust. If it's activating addictive receptors in your brain, it's going to be a tough one. It, it is. And it was. And it was. It, oh, my God. You know, it like was. I never thought. And I couldn't. I couldn't figure out until, you know, a few days in. And then somebody, it, I think it was Rick who sent the information to let me know it's okay 
that you're freaking out because apparently weed is addictive. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And But I didn't know this at first, and I think that's another thing that people need to be aware of, that, you know, they they go through the first three or four days and they're feeling like crap and they don't see any difference and they're thinking that we're crazy. Um well, because if you if you give I'm in saying, and have a big dose of wheat, exactly, I'm you'll feel better temporarily. I'm saying stick it out for at least a week to seven days, the normal time that it takes to get an addictive substance out of your system, and and see if if that doesn't give you a chance to feel better. Now, if it doesn't work, then take a different food out of your diet. You know what I mean? Like it's trial and error, and I'm not going to say that gluten is is always the enemy for everybody. But do your research, you know, know what you're getting into if you're thinking about going down that path so that you know what you're, what to expect. Because I don't know about you, Mama, but giving up wheat for me was like hell. I yeah, giving up wheat was really hard. Giving up wheat was really hard um, because this was the thing. It was like a lot of my diet consisted of the exact thing that I should not be eating, which was pizza. And... That kind of stuff. It's like, I should not have cheese. I should not have yeast. I should not have wheat. These things are really bad for cat to ingest. So, they're, I, like, why I was taking them into my body unconsciously for all of these years, it just seemed fairly ludicrous to me, like, that, that nobody ever figured out in my whole lifetime of, like, suffering with asthma attacks and allergy fits and, you know, like, they didn't check. So, I had to figure it out on my own. And I think that that's a big thing about a lot of this testing. Natural paths are amazing because um, some of them do allergen testing and they, they're they fairly accurate on what allergies you have. But unless you can find a, nutrition, uh, a natural path or a nutritionist that does this allergy testing, you're kind of left on your own. The big allergens are things like um, eggs, uh, wheat, like we've been talking about, the gluten and wheat, um, soy, dairy, yeast. Um, there's a lot of people who are allergic to caffeines, and caffeines are in chocolates. Uh, they're in uh, coffees and teas. So, like, it all no. depends on what particular damage is done to your endocrine system as to what you will react to. As my liver becomes healthier and healthier, as I clear out more of my repressed anger, as I address more of um, the the clearing out that needs to take place so that my endocrine system works better, um, I'm actually able to now cheat a little bit. You know, um, I'm not supposed to have sugar, for example, but I'm able to have a little bit of sugar without it freaking out the whole system. So, again, it's it's kind of being aware and working within your own limits, and that goes back to the knowing thyself thing. So, yeah, that's my big message right now is that knowing thyself thing. <laughs> uh, always a good one. Absolutely. But, I mean, the the way I look at it now in retrospect, looking back, is what's a week? Mm-hmm. What's a week? Come on. Just no wheat, and I mean, you got to kind of look because wheat's in some strange things in our wheat's in processed everything. foods. Wheat's uh, in everything processed. Everything I, I, processed. And corn, ice cream. I was looking yeah. at the ingredients for a kind of bluebell ice cream the other day. Won't say which flavor. Rocky Mountain Road. Um, <laughs> did I say that out loud? Oh, <laughs> uh, and it right there on the label in the ingredients, wheat. Mm-hmm. And you go, eat? 
ice cream. What it wheat? Really? And it's because I it's a binder. It's because it's a binder and it's a filler. It's a thickener and a filler. And um, folks know that in my previous life, before croaking BC back there, uh, I, I spent a decade in offshore drilling. And the coffee break room always had, the, well, there were bananas in there. But then there were huge trays of freshly baked, still warm cookies, brownies, cakes, stuff. Every day at any of the break times when the crews would come in and sit and have a cup of coffee. And, and, and of course, they'd been out working. They would just eat this stuff like there was no tomorrow. And I finally asked one of our camp bosses, which is what they called the head of the catering department. I asked the camp boss, I said, why? Because they would bring a plate of sweets up to my office. And I didn't work outside, so I sure didn't need to be eating all those calories. And I asked him to bring some, you know, could you bring, like, carrot sticks and celery and stuff? And uh, he finally told me why they do that is because uh, he said every one of these offshore installations, the guy that's the cook, eh, he's probably mediocre. But the guy that's the baker has got experience. They're paying him more than the cook, and he's really good and at making everything from scratch because wheat, flour, and sugar are not expensive compared to vegetables and meats and things. So his bosses were very clear. If he could feed, you know, fill everybody up with cakes, then it was cheaper to keep them working. Now, they're going to drop dead after a few years of malnutrition, but mm-hmm. but so feed we don't slaves, care about beer, that today. Beer. We just want them to work today, and we don't want to have to spend much to feed them. That's awesome. Is See, that not? really. Well, I mean, that was like a stated, they told him that. It wasn't written down in any of the manuals anywhere, but that's what he was told, was fill them up on empty calories. And, you know, when I first worked offshore in my college days, um, man, we had steak on cooked outside on charcoal twice a week, and and the, the, the guy in the back cooking, generally they were ex-Navy cooks, and I mean the food was... Talking about collard greens and you know, just wow. And you know, when I went back to have my little decade of career in the corporate world, not so much. What happened? Well, back then, the cooks all worked for the drilling company. Nowadays, they work for these contractors, the catering companies. And guess how they pick a catering company? Cheapest one. Lowest bidder. And and there's only so much making the bid lower that you can do if you're feeding people, shouldn't there be? But they stretch you know, it. I, I know. And anyway, it, you know what? It's go, it goes on everywhere. It goes on everywhere. It does. Even, even in the restaurant that I worked at before, um, before well, I came to Montreal. Too. Um, they just kept cutting back and cutting back and cutting back. And, and the bitch of it is because the cost for them – keep going up because of the rise of, and you don't think about it really, but it affects everything. The rise of oil and gas, when that goes up, it affects everything right across the board, including produce because of shipping costs. So as shipping costs went up and the cost of their deliveries and produce went up, they started substituting 
And even the staff was getting to the point where, you know, are you kidding me? You want me to cook with this? And yet they're keeping their prices for their customers the same. Or pleading that they have to raise them or have a fuel surcharge or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it, it It's the thing that happens when something, to me, that happens when something become, goes from being a, a privately owned company where somebody owns it and therefore probably feels responsible right. to a public corporation where it now has responsibility to these anonymous things called shareholders, <laughs> these nebulous little, I don't know, in a cloud. It's like cloud computing. It's shareholders. Um, and their only duty, and it says right in their thing, their duty is to increase the return to the shareholders. doesn't say anything about being good to your customers or anything. Increase the return to the shareholders. So people get to weird ethical things that way. It's interesting that you mentioned that because it, it is just around the time that um, they decided to turn in, turn it, the business into a chain and we're starting to sell um, to sell locations that that this shenanigans, as Mama would put it, began. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, you know they had a million and one excuses: the price of this is going up, the price of that is going up. But, but I'm telling oh. you, by the time I left, the food quality had gone down so much since the time that I had started there five years prior, or sorry, three years prior. I didn't want to eat there anymore. And I used to eat anything. Like, I could eat all kinds of crap and not care, but I was starting to get to the point where I'd rather have McDonald's than eat the food where I was working. At a restaurant, yeah. At a restaurant where I was working, at a place where I had gotten to know, because of my schedule, gotten to know and really appreciate some of our regulars, build relationships with some of these people, and now they wanted me to lie to them. Right. And and they want you to be happy and smile and say everything's okay and and they don't understand the effect that it has on the staff and then they wonder why their staff are starting to get edgy and there's problems starting to happen and I think that that happens in any business when you ask your staff to compromise their morals and their ethics in order to save the bottom line. The average person is going to feel uncomfortable with that, and it is going to affect their work. Absolutely. I We've seen the example that, given the opportunity, let's say there's two products that cost the same, that taste the same, the quality is the same, but one of them is sustainably produced and the other one's not, people will choose the sustainably produced. People will choose the right thing, generally, the better thing. Absolutely. For the group, if they can, without sacrificing, you know, on themselves. And so I think that all that really kind of holds true at the core for everybody. So when you're made to do something that you know isn't that way, but you feel for survival you have to, that gets icky. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk, this is a perfect segue into what I did on the weekend, um, is permaculture. Um Okay, Toronto. You don't think about farming in Toronto. But the reality is is that we're all kind of getting to this point where we have to start thinking about how our food is produced. 
so and how it gets to our tables and how long that chain is. And in places like Toronto, we're a metropolis. We don't have green spaces for planting. We have, you know, a few corner parkettes. We have some places with benches, some places with climbers. But, like, there's really very few community gardens um, that are available to the public. Um, I know that the one in High Park requires, uh, like, years to get in to, to, to get this little tiny plot of land that you can grow your stuff on. So, because um, it's it's they they get handed down through the generations and et cetera et cetera. So, um, <clears throat> really looking for alternate ways of farming and stuff like that. So, um, this weekend I took part in a permaculture uh, Toronto permaculture project, and uh, what our goal was was to get together and to do some um, rogue style gardening where we would just go around and plant some peas for peace. And so that's that's what we did. We had a weekend workshop where we uh discussed nonviolent communication and we discussed um how to um live sustainably. We talked about the uh spiritual orphans and the awakening that's happening. We talked about all kinds of stuff. So I mean it was a great weekend. Um but it also kind of showed that we can have an impact even if we're city dwellers on what we eat and how we eat. You know, it's like you can find around you anywhere in any city all of these little, like, things that have trees in them and then, like, a little bit of foliage or whatever, right? You can just be sly. You can stick your, like, seeds in the ground and they'll grow up and nobody will be the wiser. Do you know what I mean? And then, and then go harvest your shit and eat. <laughs> exactly. And, and if then, somebody took took it off the vine because they were hungry, so be it. Exactly, and that's the thing. They've got these beautiful gardens in England, and it's basically the city decided that they needed to to sustain themselves. They needed an initiative, so they started uh, digging in the planters around the police station and the hospital and the bus stops and that kind of stuff and planting these seeds. And so that's what they did with the permaculture, the Toronto Permaculture Project, is they went around and they they planted all these gardens. Now, um, Occupy Gardens today was planting, doing more of this, you know, rogue gardening, um, where they're just, like, went to Queen's Park with a bunch of seeds and they're having a potluck dinner. And, yeah, so, I mean... There's lots of good stuff happening that's, we, that's informing the people. people where their food are, is coming from and, and making sure that people know that it's not hard, it's not scary, because for so long it's been made to be hard and scary. You yeah. know, it's like if you don't buy these, you know, genetically modified seeds or whatever, you know, oh, no, there might be some sort of danger to your crop. Well, we're obviously finding out that there's problems with these crops anyways. So... It would be better if we could just get our hands on some heirloom seeds and just kind of stuck Monsanto in a box and said, okay, that was a mistake. Let's not do this again um, and, and start growing our own food and, and start, you know, really taking back some of these really congested spaces like Toronto is. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of uh, stuff happening in the city with uh, permaculture and uh, organic delivery services. When I left here a year ago, there was like maybe three or four home delivery organic services in town and now there's like 20 you know so people are really getting interested knowing who their farmers are getting the farmer to deliver the food to their house you know they're 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 making conscious choices to go that route 
And let's face it, the more that people get in, interested, the more that people get involved, the more that people get enthusiastic, the more services like that are going to be available and the cheaper the food is going to become. Because the more energy and time you put into something, the quicker it expands and grows. Mm-hmm. And it, it works like anything else in society. Eventually, the the other stuff that nobody really wants because it's not good for you, and you know what? I hate to say it, but there is a difference for all the people out there who go, oh, you don't, you can't tell the difference between GMO corn and this corn and that corn. I'm telling you, a friend of ours bought GMO corn, couldn't eat it, said it tasted like crap. Could tell the difference in the taste. There's a difference between grain-fed meat and grass-fed meat. The difference is in the taste. I don't no. think it's just that because if no, we go no, back to I'm what saying, I was saying before, no, about, I'm saying that that you know there that you can you can notice you can notice a difference absolutely. even in the taste. So if you can notice a difference in the taste, imagine what kind of difference is in the nutrients in your body. And if you go back to what I was saying earlier about this idea that we're holistic beings, right? If that animal is grass-fed on a plane. That's a natural existence for that animal. That animal is not stressed out. That animal is it's not suffering. That animal is happy, and when it's time to go, then it becomes nourishment. At that point, do you know what I mean? Whereas an animal that's been kept in a cage and um, milked their whole life, and then you know you get that steak, you're obviously going to have a difference because that animal's been kept in like this little tiny cage for like all of this time. So. You know, and I would think the same would go for for plants as well. I mean, we absolutely. all know that plants have energetic qualities. They exactly. respond to music. They respond to vibration. They respond to to voice and mood. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe maybe they're not so happy about having their their innards messed with. Like we yeah. were doing just fine. What well, who are you, Mister Scientist, to come and fuck with my DNA? I. My my brother-in-law was a family farmer in Kansas. Um, his parents were killed uh, when he, late in high school or early college career of his. His parents were killed in a car accident. Uh, so he took over the farm uh, as soon as he got back from his agricultural education at college. Uh, up until that point, his father had farmed the place, not unlike it had been farmed for ever and a day. He rotated his crops, you know, to give the land a rest, put alfalfa on it, which puts nitrogen back into the soil instead of taking it out, and didn't use fertilizer. Um, And then about 30 years ago, 35 years ago, when my brother-in-law took over, it was, I remember him having signs that would be, there'd be like in fields, he was getting paid and there were signs that would say Monsanto 351, Monsanto 352, and there would be 10 rows each of these different things. And then he'd pick whatever produced the most out of the 10 rows, you know, and that's what he would grow. And there was no rotating crops. We were putting liquid nitrogen into the soil um, by not liquid nitrogen, um, liquid ammonia, Uh I had to wear a mask to keep from, you know, the 
just from the little bit that I would breathe before the stuff would get underground. Um, a shocking difference, really, in 30 years. And uh, and now, guess what? All those chemicals and all those seeds he had to buy that were patented commercial seeds, he's bankrupt. And his property uh, is now farmed by a large agro-corporation. That's so sad. That's so sad. But it is what... It is what happened and why, you know, people are like, how could this be, you know, because it seems like people ate blah, 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 and we're fine. But it was different, people. It was different and not very long ago. The foods that we ate as children are completely different from the foods that we are being offered now as adults. Yeah. And that's that's seen in everything um when you look at the ingredients that are on any packaged product now um and i mean i don't mean every packaged product but like at your general grocery store um there's something in it that's an allergen in every single thing there's a known allergenic compound in pretty much everything and there's a very old idea it's called food combining not everybody needs to adhere to this but for me and my depleted system, um, I really needed to follow this to get my body back healthy. You don't eat starches with meat. Our whole diet in North America is based on our meat and potato diet. If you eat those two things together, the meat doesn't get the the, um, the enzymes from the liver to digest it because it's too busy trying to digest the potato, Right. So when you eat a starch and a meat and the same meal, you don't actually have the digestive enzymes that you need to fully break down that meal. So it ends up sitting in there and rotting in a lot of cases. So that's why you find the el- um, in a lot of cases the elderly have a lot of digestive stuff because they've been eating this North American diet of the meat and potatoes for so long that they don't have a way to even um, address it at that point. As in, and it's I notice the difference. I'm I'm not gonna lie. I still have my potatoes every once in a while with my meat, but I notice the difference in how I feel. Mm-hmm. With a stir fry that's, you know, mostly vegetables, some beans and, and possibly a little little bit of rice to a heavy meat and potatoes. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it was Tony Robbins years ago that said, look, you want your steak and your baked potato? That's fine. Just don't have them at the same time. Hmm? Have a steak tonight with a big green salad, and tomorrow night have a baked potato with a big green salad. You can put those yeah. together. That's and, how you do it. And it'll That's digest. Totally it. And so it could be as simple as that. You don't have to be on the no. walls protocol and eat like a caveman. Although, you know, me feel good. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> but... But uh, 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 little changes, little tiny changes that are easy to tolerate uh, Absolutely. are uh, because even moving to the really high nutrient dense foods, uh, you just jump right in. I've seen the your digestive tract rebel the opposite direction, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. you don't want to do that. And it can. You, you have cleansing reactions, people call them. Yeah, yeah and, okay. and that's the thing. You can call them healing crises. You can call them uh, the the reactions. But the reality is is that a lot of people, because they've been eating this diet, um, they're actually spleen depleted 
a lot of people, spleen qi is, is a traditional Chinese medicine term as well. And their spleen um, basically is the thing that rebuilds the blood, rebuilds the systems in our bodies. So when our qi is low, when our spleen qi is low, we have low energy. We have um, an inability to actually carry out a lot of the things that we think about. And um, there's a lot of sorrow that goes along with that and feeling like we're stuck and that we're we're paralyzed. Once we start um, just even like taking the baby steps, if you try to do it all at once, the spleen starts freaking out and saying, I can't do this, this is too much, you know, and you start having this emotional reaction. If you start doing it little by little, your spleen is like, it starts being replenished, it starts being nourished, it starts having energy, the rest of your body responds accordingly, your blood starts getting healthier, it starts taking out the toxins better, and everything starts going into line. But people who start going on these, like, juice fasts and stuff, their bodies aren't used to dealing with raw enzymes. They're used to everything being cooked, everything being prepared, everything coming in a box. And when they go on these juice fasts, they get really sick because their spleen just can't handle it. So, again, it's just about really knowing what works for your body, and that re- that requires some trial and error. And it really does. And patience. Yeah. Patience. And patience a working, with yourself and with your body. relationship with your body. You have yeah. to have communication with your body. You have to understand the nuances of what it's telling you. And you have to listen mm-hmm. and, you know, talk to it. Have conversations with your body. And, you know, it's so important. I can't stress that enough that it's so important to find the, the balance between the spiritual and the physical. It is all one thing people there is no and the the communication you know, with your body from the spiritual spiritual manifest into physical it's all one it, start talking to it <laughs> it's really it's that still quiet voice too just like your spirit is still quiet voice it's uh people say well you know i know when i'm hungry and i know when i'm thirsty and i'm in actuality and you can ask any most any physiologist when you feel thirsty, that's like your body's last ditch effort to try to get you to drink water. You're beyond needing to drink water at that point and are bordering on being dehydrated if you wait Indeed. until you're thirsty. Indeed. And you, so how could that? Well, there were signals. They just weren't real loud. You know, that feeling of thirst and dry in your mouth and rah. That's that's your body going, ah, help me. <laughs> that's so true. It's been that's there so for true. a while going, hey, hey, water? Water would be good. I'd like water. And But you're not paying any attention because you've sort of been trained not to. Exactly. How it's like we've been trained not kids? to go to the bathroom when we need to go to the bathroom. We've been trained not to get up to get a drink when we need a drink because we're in these school systems, we're in these work systems, we're in these environments where we need to schedule our breaks and we need to schedule a time to go pee and a schedule a time to, to take in water and to take in nourishment. And that's really not something that's that our bodies are really built for. We're not really built for waiting for our bodily functions to be taken care of. No. no, and and there's it, it, it's ridiculous that we that we require this of our children in the school systems, and then we force ourselves to endure it as adults in in the workplaces. Uh, we really have gone, you know, 
the complete opposite of of natural. We've we've done the complete opposite of what um, is is best for us and what's most natural for us. And it's very odd to bear witness to, but it's changing and it's good um, that yeah. it's changing and. You know, I think maybe with the change comes a greater appreciation for that way of living. Um, the fact that we're going to have to battle our way back, so to speak, is going to, I think, encourage us to hold on to it longer well, and appreciate it more. And we've got uh, young ones, even down to tiny humans, but uh, some of these medium humans are dropping dead from heart attacks and things. Um, to kind of let us know that, you know, we're supposed to be able to, like, do the autopsy and go, oh, my goodness, of course he's dead. He's been eating wheat, you know, having (laughs) milk and uh, hadn't had a vegetable. And, you know, (laughs) we used to, at least when I was a kid, you had Popeye on in primetime that was trying to get kids to eat spinach, (laughs) which you needed you needed some cartoon to get you to eat that stuff in a can. Woof. I know. I wasn't allowed to leave, you know, leave my... And I grew up in farm country, so meat and potatoes was a big, big part of our diet. But um, you weren't allowed to eat the leave the table if you had veggies left on the plate. They didn't care if you had potatoes and meat left. Throw that in the fridge, eat it later. Right. But the veg uh, you're going to eat now. You better eat that vegetable before you get up. You will never have a dessert again as long as you live. You're not eating any more food today. (laughs) Yes. You will go hungry for the rest of your... Do you not realize there are starving children in India? (laughs) Or Africa. Somewhere. Japan or China, whatever country we happen to be feeding starving children in at the time. uh, Well, I was just going to say, we've arrived at, at second break time. We have. We oh, skipped first we break time. Zipped right through first break time because we always have so much fun when Mama's here. Uh, Yay! <laughs> well, and you bring out the, you bring up the good stuff, and then we Yay. all get talking and. <laughs> uh, always, always, always an education with Mama around. Yeah, but, see, um, Leslie says they always made uh, us us eat our veggies first too. Now, yeah. now kids have to eat their French fries first. Oh. Because it makes them shut up. Oh wow! Like TV. Please. That's how. So, with so that in mind, I think we need. And we we have a musical person. Well, we have a musical person. We could have live music break. But then you want to do live music break. break, or do you want to do a break and then play some Let's live do some music? live music. Why don't we do that? Because she might need a break too. But you okay. know me with my coffee drink, and I need a break. Ah. <laughs> I need to warm up my tea. Um. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to do a little earth prayer because that is that is our our way of honoring the planet every time we do a show. Well, and and particularly in light of tonight's discussion and talking about kids being made to eat their french fries first, I thought, you know, forgive me was a good thing to go with right after. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Yes, indeed. Okay, a little earth prayer and then when we get back, we're going to hear some Mama Web song. Mama Web song. And yeah. drum. Yay. Mm-hmm. Which is okay, cool. Okay, folks, we'll be back in about five minutes. Stay with us.
Yay, Earth Prayer. Yay. I just love that song. Yay. It was lovely. Mm-hmm. It was the first time I'd heard it, so it's awesome. Is it the first time you've heard it? Really? Yeah, it was. Well, Ina Vee's been on the show, and she also uh, has a project built around that song, the Earth Prayer Project. Pretty cool stuff. I've popped her website up in the uh, chat room for everyone, and it will, of course, be on the archive tonight at uh, Ina Vee, E-N-A-V-I-E.com. Yeah, it's cool. And I just want to say, right quick, before we have music and stuff, that to all the Blog Talk hosts out there, man, y'all are doing an awesome job. Because I have a pretty nice computer. I built it. It's pretty cool. And I have uber high-speed internet. And the control panel still gives me pause (laughs) almost every show to wonder if we're going to still make it. So uh, for you guys keeping it on the air. Props. Okay, music. Me. Shut up. Okay. So I just wanted to set an intent, it being May Day. Um, basically, it's the time of year that we start uh, thinking about what we want to harvest. So we're thinking about what we want to plant and what we want to harvest. So right now, I'm working on evolving uh, community and our personal healing and our spirits and our storytelling. So those are the things that I want to cultivate in the next little bit because I find that a lot of healing comes through these things for me, through having a strong sense of community, having a strong sense of uh, well-being inner and outward, having a connection to Great Mama Earth, and just being really conscious of, of the choices that I'm making, working towards those goals. So I'm just going to get ready here.
prayers. Tourist prayers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One recorded, one live. Live cool. or is it Memorax? Oh. Yeah. That was channeled. There you go. It was channeled. It's what I do. <laughs> yeah, when I do the healing song, I channel uh, Grandmother Spider, who is the weaver of all things. So she connects us all through her web of uh, of stories and sacred sharing. So that's that's what happens when I when I sing. I I'm loving the drum. Um, Yay! Yeah, I love the drum. It, it reminds me of home. Yes. Yay! Home ish. Yeah, that was one of the biggest complaints they had about the Occupy movement early on was all the drumming. What was all the yeah. drums, drum circles? You people just stop that. <laughs> it's Great Mama's heartbeat manifesting. That's the one big thing about the drum, and the shaman always uses the drum because it's the horse, it's the it's the sound that carries the shaman to the different worlds, right? So the drum is is frequently seen as as the horse that carries the spirit. So I can see why the men wouldn't want, you know, the heartbeat of Great Mama to be speaking to the people at the Occupy movement. And I can see why they would start having a problem with it. So, you know, it, yeah. it's just it's just being aware of that, that, that the heartbeat is inside all of us. Um, and the heartbeat is manifesting. And there's nothing that can stop a heart from beating other than, you know, it's the time for it to stop. And right now, there's too many hearts crying out for change for this sort of momentum to be stopped. Oh, there's no stopping. Oh, no. <laughs> no. There will no. be no stopping. There, There is um, only copious amounts of shit raising. <laughs> and I would, I, <laughs> I would say that, you know, if uh, if you don't have a drum, go outside. Take your shoes off, you know. I mean, pick a spot that's clean if you must. But take your shoes off. Put your feet on the earth. And uh won't hurt you, I promise. Well, don't step in poison ivy, but, you know, really, come on, people. <laughs> um, I was watching a video earlier some uh, a, a vegan lady had had blood tests done and she was like very low on vitamin D and I was looking at her she was pale as you know she was white as my change maker's coffee mug and, and she, she's not getting any sunshine so she doesn't have any vitamin D well it's how you get it you don't have to go outside and barbecue you know 10 minutes mm-hmm. do face and hands with no sunscreen that gets hard to do. Almost everything, lotion, moisturizer, something, it's antibacterial, sunscreen, super-duper, hooper, protect you from the world. Go outside, get barefoot, hug a tree. Hug a tree. Hug a tree, that will do so much for your energy. Yeah. Um, stress and things, make your heartbeat do wonky things. Not good rhythm. No. No, and that's the big thing. It's like really getting in touch with Great Mama really does involve um, a witnessing of of how your life has manifested for her and how your life needs to be changing to benefit her. And that's the thing. You know, you can't be in close contact with a tree and, and be separate from 
you know, your understanding that that tree provides you with oxygen, that that tree provides you with shade, that that tree provides you with shelter, that that tree provides you with life. And you start seeing that you're not part of, you know, an environment which is outside of you, but you're part of an ecosystem that we're all dependent on each other. The trees need our carbon uh, dioxide that we breathe out and all the bad air that we breathe out. They take it into themselves, they nourish themselves with that, and they produce us clean, healthy air. And you start witnessing that by simply being in close contact with these things. And, uh, yeah, you know, planting your planting your, your seeds and, and getting some, even your little, like, herb garden inside, anything is, is a start. You know, anything is a, is a baby step towards becoming more sustainable, becoming more able to be present in the world with with your with your energy, being present by just simply being in the moment. All of these little things bring us back into the moment, hugging a tree, getting our hands in soil, having a conversation with somebody. That brings us into the moment. You know, I find it I find it really interesting. Um Going back to like you know a few years ago, it's a lot of scorn around that idea of a tree hugger. <laughs> Those tree huggers, you know, they're yeah, pot smoking hippie types. Um, but you know, a few years before that, there was a lot of scorn around the Native Americans. Now, it's interesting to note that in this time of transition, when the world is in the middle of a shift and people are beginning to awaken to the fact that we really do need to give back to the planet that provides so much to us that is it is to the native americans and the tree huggers that people are looking to for guidance and advice with regards to these issues how do we how do we get back in touch with the planet that we we need to communicate with and we need to care for um so you know i i think that Rather than look at that and think anger for for where we were, I think it's it's good to look at it and have appreciation for where we now are, and for the changes that have taken place and the awareness that has um, that has become an almost everyday occurrence within society right now. It's you know people are people are I'm not going to say they're waking up, they're they're awake. And they're doing the things they feel they can do to contribute to this shift, to this change. And I think it's absolutely one of the coolest things I've ever... It, it, it's amazing to me still today what kind of conversations you can have now with with just the guy on the street. I mean, the guy that we get our movies from was totally interested in the radio show when I started talking about some of the subjects that we bring up. And maybe two years ago, I might not talk about the show that I do with everybody that I meet. Because there might have been some scorn around some of the topics that we cover. But now, people are open to it. They're hungry for it. They want to know more. Yeah. And I've been noticing that a lot, too. It's like, for years, you know, I lived a really bizarre experience, you know, where I had these mystical experiences, you know, the hero's journey that Joseph Campbell talks about and you know, having these very, you know, shamanistic type experiences and not knowing what they are or what they're about and, you know, really taking that internally and thinking that there's something wrong with me, right? So I didn't talk about this for a very long time. But now, like, even since I've started talking about it in 2010, 
um, starting being, you know, publishing my blog and that kind of stuff. Um, and, and all that kind of thing, it ended up being, uh, an awareness building. It's like, we seem to be seeding this into the consciousness. Um, you know, and that goes back to the, the hundredth monkey theory. It's like, you know, if a hundred monkeys start doing something, all monkeys can start doing this, you know? So that's kind of the thing. There were a few of us who started seeding this a few years ago, and then now it's becoming more mainstream, and we're able to have this dialogue that maybe we wouldn't have even had, you know, a couple of years ago. When I got my message for 2011 um, from my guides, they told me that 2011 would be the equivalent uh, energy-wise of 10 to 12 years, and that's what we saw in 2011. We saw a lot of stuff compacted into one year. Now, when 2012 started, my guides told me that this year is the year of the crocodile. And um, I didn't know this at the time, but this is also the year of the water dragon. So, again, it, it yeah. seems to be synchronous, but I, I found that out about my year. a month later um, after I wrote my crocodile thing. Um, so, anyway, <laughs> I'm not really up on this stuff. I don't pay attention unless it comes into my periphery. Um but anyways, when it when it finally like dawned on me what this energy was about, it was really about finding um like listening to our own discernment, our own feminine wisdom from within, from underneath the subconscious. It's starting to shake, it's starting to to move, it's starting to be able to live in both worlds like crocodiles live in both water and on earth. You know, um crocodiles are able to discern from their because they're cold blooded, they're able to discern warmer waters from colder waters. They're able to find safer place, places for them to lay their eggs to be, you know, for them to to survive. They're very in tune with the motherhood energy. They're very um, coming from the subconscious place. So um, that's what this year is about. It's from it's for the subconscious becoming conscious. It's the from the the female becoming awakened, becoming. Um, enlivened again, you know, really nourishing each other, our relationships, ourselves, you know, like ourselves inside our our bodies and our environments and the places that we interact, you know, it's just really starting to take care of that. I think the um, level of awareness has grown exponentially and continues to do so over the last two years. It's, It's to have come to this with open eyes. You know, in 2008, 2009, I can't imagine what the people who've been doing this for 30 some odd years must be thinking because they must be just like losing their minds with enthusiasm. Because big party. Yeah. Well, even me, like I've been doing this for 16 years, right? Like I've been doing this for 16 years. I woke up when I was. Yeah, it is because when I was 15, it was like. If you talk to anybody about the the type of shamanistic experiences that I was having, you know, um, seeing seeing visions and that kind of stuff, you know, if if you went to a doctor, they would put you on a prescription, you know, okay. and a lot of a lot of our or shamanistic give you a vacation at a nice yeah. little, you know, nice little white resort. Yes. And so you don't t- you didn't talk about it even, you know, and so watching this come to the awareness and watching it come to the periphery first it started coming into like pockets of people. But now like those pockets of people are starting to start take that information back to their own 
networks and stuff like that. And those people are now being exposed. Oh, hey, look at my crystal. This is supposed to make me feel better. You know, well, does it work? Well, I don't know, but I've been carrying it around for a bit. And, uh, yeah, you know what? I think it is working. And then somebody else gets interested in crystals, you know, and they really do their research and it, it really hooks them in. You know what I mean? And that's their, their gateway in. And then there's somebody else who's like, you know, oh, hey, um, yeah, I couldn't figure out what was wrong with me, so I started taking uh, this essential oil, and now I'm starting to feel better. You know, like, that's how I ended up getting healthy after having all that mold in my lungs. I started using an essential oil, breathed it in constantly in my lungs, and it was killing the mold spores in my lungs. This oil has been around for, you know, since the Black Plague, <laughs> And it's been saving people's lives since the Black Plague, this particular oil blend that I was using, and it saved my life. So, I mean, it's about, you know, really understanding and sharing what you know. And even if you only know a little bit, you know, sharing a little bit with somebody might get them really interested and hooked on something that, that their spirit really needs to know about. Yeah, and it's it's... And sometimes it's just it really is the hundredth monkey thing. You don't have to say anything sometimes. You just no, you just have to do it. You just walk down the street. It's um, to steal, oh, borrow um, Veronica Torres and Elohim, the red hat thing. You're walking down the street and you got this really nice red hat on, and you think it's really cool, and you think it makes you look really nice, and so you're really, you're just jamming, you know, listening to your headset. You ain't paying no attention to anybody, and somebody else sees it and goes, "Wow, that's really cool. I might look cool in one of those." Before you know it, there's red hats popping up all over the place. And you don't have to say anything. You don't have to tell anybody. You don't have to explain it. You just be it. And doesn't it it always just, like, I don't know about you guys, but you see somebody who's smiling all the time. Don't you just want to know what their secret is? (laughs) Right. It's like, you know. Keep right? smiling, it makes people wonder what you're what up to. What the hell are you smi- Have you looked around our world lately? What the fuck what the are, hell you are you so happy about? Can I have it? You know. But exactly, what is your secret? And that's, that's enough of an opening. So if, if nothing else, if you do nothing else in the world, just smile at every stranger you meet. Right. <laughs> you know? It, it can be enough any to change somebody's it's, life. It's whatever steps that you feel called to do. Like, that's the really big thing. It's like, not everybody needs to take up farming. Not everybody needs to become a shaman. Not everybody needs to do this, that, or the other thing. The reality is is that we're all very different for a reason. We've incarnated onto this planet at this time for a reason. Find out what your reason is and do it. It's very easy. (laughs) You know? I mean, if everybody was a radio show host, we wouldn't have anybody listening. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Exactly. If everybody was a painter, there'd be nobody to appreciate the painting. Exactly. If everybody was a writer, there wouldn't be any bloody readers. But mm-hmm. if everybody would follow their passion and their their excitement, we'd be getting a lot of shit done. Everything would be done. And and you say, well, how do you know? Well, there is that faith thing that comes in from time to time until you've actually seen it happen. But... Um, when I was first in the offshore biz, we were under really high strict safety stuff because there had been some recent disasters. That's the way that industry works. They get loose, have a disaster, then they get tight. Uh, 
And we were also doing something brand new that nobody had ever done. So we had a lot of support, a lot of engineers on hand. Things were thought out before they were done, but we were making it up as we went along, too. And I mean, everybody out there uh, just made it go right. It's the only way I know how to say it. Just made it go right. There was no, this is my job description, this isn't my job description, I ain't doing that, you don't pay me enough. There was none of that stuff. Everybody was excited about what was happening. They knew nobody had ever done it before. Um, and it just it was a beautiful thing to watch, a bunch of people in the flow. Might disagree with what they were doing, but at the time it was the right thing to be doing, I think. Well, that's the thing and, about that whole – and that's a whole other show, Rick. But, I mean, whatever yeah. has been done in the past was the right thing to do at the time, whether you like it or not. That includes the wars, the genocide, all of it. Whether you like it or not, it was the right thing to do at the time to get us to where we are now. And 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 that's kind of what it looks like in a small scale of when everybody is just doing what they feel led to do. You know, you see something, it's not done, and it ought to be done. You just do it. Do it. You don't think about it. You just do it and keep on going, you know. Do you think about it? You know, this is trash day. We're gonna, I'm going to pick up that cigarette butt. No, you just do it. <laughs> you say, well, it's not mine. I didn't throw it there. What? Who cares? Pick it up. And that's the thing. You do the changes, the little changes that you can make that you can do, and that's really enough. That's enough for right now. You will be called to do something greater if you're meant to do something greater. And, you know, the universe is not very subtle when you're off, you know, doing something that you're not supposed to be doing. It'll manifest in a way that, you know, is not uber pleasant or whatever. And you'll kind of, you know, come back on path and... I, I mean, you're never off path. Don't get me wrong. Um, but you know, you you know when you're not making the greatest choices. You're still on your path, and maybe you need to learn those lessons. But you know, ultimately, we do know when we're not making the greatest choices in our lives. You know, and it's it's just being, you know, doing what you can do. Maybe tomorrow you can do a little more. Maybe tomorrow you you can't. You know, and just honor that. Honor your being. You know, honor that. You know, today you tried something and it may work and it may not, but tomorrow you're going to try something else and it may work and it may not. And, you know, you, you just got to keep trying until you get to the point where you're you're starting to make a, a sustainable uh, cha- changes inside yourself that, that facilitate this uh, outer growth and the outer changes that you want to see in your life. What a beautiful way to end a show. A little trial and error. Don't you think? Works for me. It's it's always been the best way to figure stuff out. You could even just call it, uh, you know, I don't know, change and adjustment instead of trial and error. What's this error business? Ooh, I like that. Change and adjustment. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, learning and growth is is the ones that I use a lot. You know, everything is presented for us to learn from. There's not really good or bad. It's... You know, there is good and bad, but it, it's more like, what do, What am I here to learn? What is this story supposed to teach me? What is this chapter of my story supposed to teach me? You know, and, and you know, sometimes that means you have to fall on your face and pick yourself back up and become stronger through the process. 
Not a small thing going from completely disconnected to completely connected again <laughs> in like a generation almost. It has been a rough road for a lot of us, <laughs> those of us who are carrying that energy forward. But, you know, we're all Just, here and we're mighty. You know, we're starting yeah. to find our tribes, our families, our, have each other, our purposes. And, yeah, exactly. we're starting to find where we're supposed to be. So that's what 2012 is really about, finding our warmer waters, finding our way to nourish ourselves again. Um, yeah, so this is the year of the crocodile. All right. Crocodile mm-hmm. rock. Indeed. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. All right, perfect. Well, I've got links up in the uh, chat room for folks. They'll be on the archive, but you can find Mama Web at, surprise, surprise, Mama, M-O-M-M-A, Web, W-E-B-B, dot com. And learn more about spiritual orphans. We really didn't get to talk about them. But if that word pricks your ears, go have a look at Mama Web's website, MamaWeb.com. Thank you for having me. And we'll uh, we'll no doubt have her back again. Absolutely. Um, Much love to you both. And and who knows what the hell we'll talk about next time. But it's always oh, yeah. something good. Always something good. All right. Big props now, from the chat room. Yeah. Been an awesome show. Now, um, for for our listeners, stick around next week. Um, next week? Oh, no. Oh, no. Next week. Wait, Franco. it's only Tuesday. Holy crap. Franco on Thursday. We have Franco on Thursday. That'll Franco be an education. He'll uh, have more to say and answer a few more questions. And then uh, and then Tuesday, Inez Martins with uh, uh, some even some phone-in mini-readings for your pets, Animal Communicator. Mm-hmm. Um, and then next Thursday, next week, Thursday, we have Dana Merkich coming. So. We just have another awesome month this it's, month. You know, it's the first of the month. We've got an awesome lineup this month if you're um, – Looking, wow. looking to see. Uh, check out the check out the calendar on yep. website www.everydayconnection.me. We do have a schedule up. You can check out who's coming, and there's information there on them as well. And it gets updated. I mean, you'll get to see when we've got dates sent out to somebody. You, we, yep. we're a transparent operation. Absolutely. You want to see who we're inviting on the show, who we're waiting to hear back from. It's all there. It's the all there for, there you, for to you to see. see. And if you have a, a guest suggestion, drop us a line. Yeah, well, we'd love to. There's a form on the website, or you can just find us on Facebook. Send us a send us a shout. But yeah, hey, we've we got. We want to hear you talk to this person. All May right, is we'll thing. contact them. We, you know, we've got Joe from Collective Evolution, Joe Martino, Dana Murkic, the Pain Whisperer, Sal Rochelle. It's hard to call anybody a special guest. They're all so special. They're all freaking special. Especially you, Mama Webb. Thanks so much again. For being with us. Thank Big you blessings kindly. to you for all that you do and for all that you be. Oh, thank you kindly. You guys are awesome. I so love chatting with you. Join us next time, folks, and until then. Stay connected. Join Rick and Jean again next time. Until then, visit their website at everydayconnection.me. And be sure to like their Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash everyday connection worried you might miss an episode don't worry subscribe find us on itunes by searching for everyday connection radio subscriptions are free just like your everyday connection
So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See Jared.com slash price match for details. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See Jared.com slash price match for details.